What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. Welcome everybody to another week of Para Presents. Um, I have David Pickerell, the CEO of Para, with me, and I also have Karen. We also have Karen Anderson with us, um, freelancers against AB Five. I've had Karen on before. And you guys might have seen her on before, but um, today, I what I really thought we need to do is talk about Prop Twenty Two, what has happened here recently, and. Uh, because I see a lot of sides of Prop 22. I see people who don't want Prop 22. I see people who want Prop 22 and like it. I see people who want Prop 22 but want to organize and and strike. But that was the agreement of Prop 22 was not to do that. I, I you know I see this. We went through this whole court thing, and you know after the fact of a vote, over three million voters in California, three million plus voted for yes on 22, and I I can guarantee these these people wouldn't have walked in and just voted to be pro Uber and Lyft and all this, especially in California. There was a reason behind all this, but I feel like a lot of people have a a very distorted view of prop 22, especially as we're watching other States do similar type things. Um, I know that Illinois right now is looking at not having rideshare as of like in a, in a few weeks. Um, so there's just a lot of bad, there's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of, disconnect i feel like and i'm hoping that uh karen can uh help us walk through this a little bit today so karen thank you for joining us thanks for having me steve it's nice to be here again (laughs) yeah so um i guess you know this i mean the real quick run through is um in 80 was it october whatever november whatever they passed uh 2019 they passed ab5 correct People didn't really believe it was going to be as detrimental as it was. In January, it went into place. Um, as I understand, I mean, as I know it, uh, you know, it hurt a lot of. It would have. It would have hurt a lot of gig workers, of course, but it destroyed the lives of millions of freelancers and uh, business owners of forty years and stuff. The traditional gig economy, and so. Pr- like so many careers, carve-outs were made. Carve-outs were made for, for the gig economy in the, in the way of Prop 22. They were told that they would have a supplemental um, health stipend, that they would get uh, you know, 120% of the hourly wage of their area. In Cal- I know in California, you guys have different hourly rates all over the state, but you know, like you'd get 120% if you were active. And this was all intended for rideshare drivers. Yet I know a ton of rideshare drivers who don't benefit at all from Prop 22. Only really the delivery drivers benefit from it. Huge, huge. uh, The fact that they're allowed to remain independent contractors is the key benefit. Whether the purported perks live up to their promise is another issue entirely. But the alternative for Prop 22, if it didn't pass, is that Uber and Lyft would have left the state and they came yeah. this close to leaving the state anyways until the voters decided because the, the, there was a shock and awe campaign in the courts from the state with the lawsuits and everything. And the judge issued a stay, you know, at the very last minute and let, allowed the voters to decide. And the voters overwhelmingly supported the proposition by almost 60%. And it wasn't because of AB5 because the, the, the Yes for Prop 22 campaign really didn't talk about AB5 and how it affected other professions. They had a very sunny campaign about why it's important for these, these app-based uh, 
drivers to um, remain independent contractors. And most of the drivers wanted to remain independent contractors and still do. So that is that is the main benefit of, of Prop 22. It only applies to app-based rideshare and delivery. The confusion that a lot of people have is that it applies to the whole gig economy. Well, the gig, whole gig economy, you know, encompasses all sorts of different platforms. This yeah. is just about rideshare only. They have their own separate carve out. And, uh, but unfortunately, a year later, an activist judge in Alameda County deemed Prop 22 unconstitutional. So Uber, they, you know, they they appealed the uh, that decision, and the Court of Appeals uh, ruled that it was mostly constitutional. So and before before we go any further, I, I just want to I want to clarify this because this was always this has always been confusing to me. So in February or whatever it was of 2020, they were, the state was kind of like looking at Uber and Lyft, like, okay, pay up your dues. And they're like, we're not going to participate in this joke. You know, like, no, we want to vote on it. So they let it go till November. They let a vote go. And during this time, everybody's prepping. There's lawyers on both sides prepping. It goes to a vote. It wins by over 3 million votes. Mm -hmm. And, then after the fact of the vote they decided oh wait a minute we just noticed it's unconstitutional well the judge that they they that that SEIU you know that took the took their appeal to um judge Rash or judge yeah. frank i can't rosh or something like that he's yeah. alameda he's an activist judge he has had so many rulings turned over against him or reversed you know right and so uh, the Court of Appeals looked at all three components of their argument. They um, upheld two of them, and then the one about amending it, amending Prop 22, so that uh, that it allows people drivers to organize. That they they severed from Prop 22 completely. So, um, but as far as uh, you know, that their workers' comp argument that right that didn't hold up so prop 22 allows now for app-based drivers you know delivery and rideshare to remain independent contractors but seiu is obviously they're probably gonna gonna appeal it to the california supreme court but the bigger case that yeah. just happened this week the one that everybody's talking about was the ninth circuit ruling on a very uh on an older lawsuit filed by Uber and Postmates in 2019 that got overturned, that got dismissed outright by a uh, judge named Dolly G, who is known to be, maybe her name is Dolly Gee. I don't know how you pronounce it. Golly G, whatever it is. <laughs> he used to be an attorney for the unions. So um, anyways, she dismissed it outright. So it kind of went under the radar for a long time until the summer in July when the nerds like me and Kim Cavan, we tuned into the hearing at the Ninth Circuit and watched those three judges just grill the deputy uh, attorney general about why prop why uh, AB5 and its exemptions are such a mess. And if you read the complaint from the plaintiffs from Uber and Postmates, it is filled with references to Lorena Gonzalez and her targeting of Uber and Lyft while she was crafting the bill and also while she was doling out exemptions. And so the court ruled that there is, um, it's very plausible what the plaintiffs alleged that, um, you know, uh, she, uh, you know, that, that their argument that it violates equal protection clause under the 14th Amendment is correct and that they need to be heard for that. But it all all hinged on Lorena Gonzalez's big fat mouth. <laughs> Excuse me for saying that. And all of the disparaging things that she has said, tweeted and written about Uber as her main target. And the judges actually said that she was, um, you know, uh, lobbying 
and backroom dealing. They used those two words to describe what she was doing with AB5 and doling out exemptions because TaskRabbit and WAG, which is Uber for dogs, they both got exemptions and they're similarly situated plat app, app platforms. They got exemptions, but Uber for humans did not. So there was a lot of talk about rabbits and dogs during that hearing. It was very entertaining to watch. And one of the judges even said that Lorena Gonzalez's statements were, quote, shocking. Yeah, I mean, we've you and I have talked about this in the past. Like, we kind of always have had thought this. Like, what is she doing? And how, how are people not waking up to this? You know, and now I'm now I'm wondering, like, okay, well, now it's, you know, now, it, like, whatever happened, what, ha can we start with what happened last week? Last week? And, well, last week was the, uh, was the first thing I read about Prop 22 staying in place. It all happened in two, it all happened in the same week. With Uber and Lyft had two big wins in one week. Okay, right. So the other one was Friday, right? Right. So because of the fact that, that, that SEIU is going to probably appeal that Prop 22 ruling to the California Supreme Court, it doesn't make the Uber and Postmates uh, decision by the Ninth Circuit moot, you know? And really, they really want it to just go all the way. They're, they're, I, I know the plaintiff, Lydia Olson. She's the plaintiff. We've been texting back and forth. Her attor Their attorneys, uh, they are top rate. If you read that complaint, it's everything that I've been shouting about off the rooftops for years about how arbitrary the exemptions are in AB5 and how there's so much favoritism. And in fact, the, the Ninth Court Circuit um, even called the, um, the bill rooted in corruption, favoritism, and and wait, corruption, pure spite, and naked favoritism. They used those words in their ruling, the Ninth Circuit. Yeah. I mean, and Lorena Gonzalez, who was on Twitter moaning about the Prop 22 ruling, saying the system is broken and the companies get to buy their way out of labor law or whatever, was very silent on Twitter after the Ninth Circuit ruling came out on Friday. Well, I mean, like, you know, and I'll even, I, I, I even, I have to, I have to throw this in because I think it's crazy that like Lorena Gonzalez, I think very few people will know this, but if you're an elected official on Twitter, you're not allowed to block people. Um, she had two accounts. She had a personal and she had her government one, but she was blocking anybody on her government one too, that disagree, even disagreed with her nicely. Well, uh, her government one was run by her staff. The personal one, she was she was actually, it looked like her official account because she was doing so much tweeting. And the, her tweets got her into trouble with the Ninth Circuit. There are so many different tweets. They even mentioned that she called the Uber um, CEO a piece of shit on the day that uh, AB5 was signed into law on September, September 18th of 2019. That's in the complaint. I mean, I know we all have our feelings on these people. You know, like I, you know, like, but you can't say that publicly. You can't and be one of the public figures on the other side. I, I don't know. Well, she's a big bully, and she always has been. And she was, you know, AB five just to just to get your listeners up to speed. Lorena Gonzalez is a little assembly person from who was in the the state assembly in a small district in San Diego. But she came from the labor side. She was she was a leader of AF local AFL CIO before she got, you know, recruited into that seat. And then she became the head of the appropriations committee. And AB5 was basically sponsored by the California Labor Federation, which uh, represents 1,200 unions in California. And so, you know, they were overseeing a lot of the exemptions. There was a there was a exemption application uh, sign-up sheet circulating through the Capitol that had AFL-CIO letterhead on it. She was deferring to, you know, I mean, she was working on behalf of, of unions when she crafted that bill. And now, you know, she retired from her seat last year, and now she's the head of the California Labor Federation. Yeah. So it's like this incestuous 
uh, thing. And she's, she has, um, a, she has, she wields a lot of power still over legislators in the, in the state capital who rely on all that funding from unions to keep their campaigns going. So she can, she can choose and install her, her candidates of choice, you know, and that's how things work in, in Sacramento. The unions are very powerful there. So I've been thinking on Prop 22. So it sounds almost like if you can say, hey, you still, Prop 22 is still valid. People are independent contractors. You still get the sort of minimum pay. I have some problems with the healthcare stipend because it only counts for one company for 20, up to basically 40 or 50 driving hours, like actual driving hours versus time on app. So it's actually really hard. It sort of forces you to stay with one platform compared to the reality of most drivers are working on multiple platforms. But it, you know, if you table that and basically say, hey, you still get to keep all of this. And if you have a problem with the platforms, you can still organize. That right. sounds sort of like a win, right, to me. Right? It's very uh, much a win. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, not at all. Because I think on our end, what we keep consistently hearing from paradrivers, right, is that most drivers want to be independent contractors, but people are also unhappy with the gig platforms, right? So to me, when I read into this Prop 22 ruling, it's great. You get to be an IC. There's some benefits you have. And if you're unhappy, you can still voice your grievances and figure out what you want to push to get better today while still being an IC, which I feel is what most drivers fall in that bucket. Yeah, well, it's a be careful what you wish for scenario. I mean, do the, if if they became employees, they would really be unhappy, you know. So well, I, don't, I don't think well, I don't think most would, to be honest. I think that this whole gig economy is based on not be pretty much. It's that is a breaking point. You make them employees, you're not you're going to have trouble even filling this the spots. And another thing to point out is that Prop 22 has provided a bit of a firewall for these for these kind of legislation to spread across other states. People are taking pause in other states about you know their pursuit of the quote unquote gig economy to see waiting to see how it plays out in California. So Prop 22 has a lot of a lot of advantages that you know in terms of the ripple effect, I think. Um, but like I like I keep saying, what's the alternative? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of industries and sectors that aren't happy with their exemptions. I've pointed out this: the musicians' exemption picks winners and losers within its own exemption, and and journalists are still not happy with their exemption. There's always something that they you know they don't that that's that's ends up screwing you a little bit in the end. Yeah, I have a question for you, Karen. Which is, you know, let's say I am a gig worker like most on para who wants to be an IC, but I'm unhappy with the way the platforms treat me right now. I think things need to be better. I think the philosophy we've heard from a lot of our users is like, let me truly be an independent contractor. Give me the full information I need to make an informed decision. Let me use the tool I want to run my business. Where do you, you know, where do you see this going then? Okay, we all agree we're ICs, but you're not upholding what it truly means to be an IC. Like, what what happens next well i think it's it's a business model that needs to work itself out in some way within its own within its own world and if there are some you know um i mean i i don't know how to how to answer that question about all the hybrid little things that that you can ask for i mean prop 22 added all those little perks but they didn't have to do that they could have just said we just want we just want to remain independent contractors and keep it at that and then work out everything else. I, I'm not here to defend their business model. You know, um, all I know is that they were targeted the ninth circuit. They were specifically targeted like a heat seeking missile is what the plaintiffs alleged. And the ninth circuit agreed. The ninth circuit agreed that, that, you know, that, that um, there was animus not based in fact, not based in reason, and that um, you know, there the exemptions that other similarly situated platforms like TaskRabbit and WAG got um, should also apply to to Uber, and it didn't. She went out of her way to say she wasn't going to give them an exemption. Uh, in <laughs> over and over and over again, she had she. 
she has explicit animus against them. And that is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. And that is what the Ninth Circuit concluded. And they're sending it back to the to the judge, to, to the lower court judge, to have her reconsider her ruling and maybe possibly issue a preliminary injunction. You know, but um, I mean, the, the independent contractor, you know, um, issue, I mean, if, if they weren't allowed to be independent contractors, what would they be? Yeah, it would, would, would Uber and Lyft even stay in the state? They, I, I've heard from the plaintiff that the Uber, it wasn't just grandstanding or bluffing or gamesmanship on the part of Uber and Lyft. They were going, they were this close to leaving, leaving the state. It's right the, the same. I was just reading about it today. The same exact thing is going on in with rideshare in Illinois right now. They've already started their exit date. Right. Their exit date is the day that the new, the new ruling goes into effect. So it's right. going to do that same thing. They're going to get right up to the 12th hour and they're going to give them some kind of vote or stay because they can't do without rideshare. And then you have to remember that when that, when that vote was happening in 2020, we were in the middle of a pandemic and a shutdown. So people were relying on DoorDash and Instacart. They would, they were, they depended on it, especially in California because we weren't allowed to work remotely we were aced out of our remote work. So we were trapped. We couldn't go anywhere, you know? So we relied on Instacart. My, my nephew was caregiving my, my mother at the time. He, I mean, that's what we had to do. We had to order, we, we couldn't go to the grocery store during the pandemic. And also people needed, needed to supplement their income. And a majority of it, I think, and I'm not sure what these specific, uh, statistics are but a majority of these people who drive they do it like maybe five hours a week just to supplement their income so that they can you know pay for their kids little league or you know supplement their social security if they're older we have a woman who's in her 70s who loves driving for uber eats and lyft she loves prop 22 she says it's great she and she's not she's not involved with any campaign at all she just keeps telling me that she makes good money at it and it helps her when she's not doing her other jobs to fill in the income. So, so would know. you, would you call prop 22 kind of like a hybrid independent contractorship? I would. Yeah, I would call it that. And I, I think that that's what uh, we need to start thinking about more or less instead of this binary decision between in 1099 and W2, because we're in a new economy and a new world and a new way that people are working. No, including I think Karen's spot on there, right? Is like this sort of like people say it's binary, but what's crazy to me is like, I've seen companies where they do W2 and W2 part-time other than taxes to the government is no different, right? There's a bunch of these companies where you will work however random amount of time I want you to do. You're on my beck and call my whim. You have to do it the way that I want you to do, sort of, maybe. And what we've seen is there's this, you know, W-2 part-time, 1099 with some control. Is there really any difference between those two? I think that's the part that really frustrates me is at the end of the day, like, the vast majority of, at least in our world, sort of gig drivers all just say, I want to be an independent contractor. I'm unhappy with how things are. That doesn't mean it's a binary choice, right? I think there is that majority right there were mostly agree on it. Yeah. And during the, the pandemic with the employment development department, um, issuing unemployment benefits, the people that had hybrid that had both W2 and 1099 really got screwed over in, by California in California, you know, because of how they calculated their earnings. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I read a, I read a doc, a thesis written by some guy at I forget what what university talking about how migrants and and uh, you know um, undocumented immigrants should be allowed to have some sort of hybrid classification status that's not W two or ten ninety nine. So I think there's a push for that, and I and I do believe actually that Gavin Newsom was supportive of Prop twenty two because he never spoke out against it. You know, because but I he think also signed AB five. Yeah, he you did. Know, I, I don't it's know. hard to know. He's just don't get me started about him. I, I was just gonna, I was just going to say, Gavin, Gavin Newsom is like the 
example of the pandemic to me. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't live in California. I would be livid if I did, because every time he made a rule, he broke it the next day. That's true. And he's still doing it. And, and we could, that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But it, we found it curious, those of us who were following it very closely, that he never, ever spoke against Prop 22, not once. In the well, because there's a lot of there's a lot of voters there. Well, you have to remember that a lot of the, a lot of the people like Valerie Jarrett and Tony West and all of these people are from the elite Democrat side. And yeah. Tony West is Kamala Harris's brother-in-law. She's a, he's the chief uh, legal officer for Uber. And um, Valerie Jarrett was uh, the director of the board of directors for Lyft when yeah. Prop 22 was being voted on. So there was a lot of back yeah. behind the scenes stuff going on, I'm sure. I have a question now, Karen. So for Prop 22, so I know there's sort of like, you know, there's the just general California court, there's the appeals court, now it goes to the Supreme Court. Like, what does this actually practically mean? Is this we wait another year or two for the Supreme Court to make a ruling and everybody just sits tight until then? Or like, what, what happens now? Well, yeah, litigation kind of goes along at a snail's pace, you know, and uh, the SEIU hasn't stated whether they're going to pursue an appeal with the California Supreme Court. But again, you know, if one party loses or the other party loses, it could get keep going on and on and on, you know, but in the and interim. And does that just maintain, in the interim, and the status quo was maintained? or That's right. The uh, uh, Uber... Uh, App-based rideshare and delivery are allowed to remain independent contractors. And Prop 22 has been upheld, you know? And, and in fact, the state of California, the attorney general, was forced to argue in favor of, prop, of upholding Prop 22 in the court because it was his duty to uh, uphold the will of the voters because it's a very high bar to overturn the will of the voters. So even though he was against Prop 22 as an assembly person and also... He voted for AB5 when he was assembly person. He argued in favor of Prop 22 in front of the court. So that's. Well, I also know that he's also going to defend AB5. So there's a weird world in which he defends AB5 and defends Prop 22, basically, right? Well, he doesn't defend AB5. He defended Prop 22. He defended the vote. But he's, um, you know, the attorney general is one of the enforcers of AB5. Along with deputy, uh, along with city attorneys and um, uh, district attorneys and state agencies, there's. I, I would think at this point the whole. I would think at this point the whole California system is just overflowed with people that are like enough with AB five. Like it's already been happening, but like enough, and like who would really be supporting this? Hey, look, we killed all these careers and created no jobs. Well, the problem is, is that you and I know that, but the majority of the public is very confused about AB5 because it's so convoluted. And like I said, they think that it doesn't exist anymore. They think it's been repealed. You know, ask, ask, just go around and ask, ask any person in California just off the street, what do you know about AB5? Even people that should know better. And the media doesn't help either. The, the, the legacy media, the corporate media, that report, and even the legal media, a lot of them get things wrong and they perpetuate these um, errors and regurgitate them amongst themselves. For example, right. when, when the trucking uh, when the trucking litigation came to it reached a dead end when the U.S. Supreme Court wouldn't hear their appeal, um, and then all of a sudden the preliminary injunction was dissolved and every single 70,000 owner operator truckers are all of a sudden have to be made employees. Um, all of the headlines were, you know, talking about that and there were protests at the port and it got a lot of play. But if you read the stories, you're like, who are these people writing these stories? They're saying that that AB5 was, as, is only now in effect on the entire state. They, I mean, so it's just, there's just so much misinformation and that's our biggest battle is combating the misinformation gap in the public in the public's mind about what ab5 is who it applies to and also there's the the, the pandemic obscured all the all the 
big picture collateral damage and bad optics that would have been exposed. It, it, Lorena Gonzalez was given a complete gift for the pandemic, you know, because it would have been just a complete and total dumpster fire, you know. Uh, well, it was. Well, it is a dumpster fire, but people were, were not like interpreters and translators were not able to go into the workplace because of the shutdown. Many musicians couldn't perform because of the shutdown. Community theaters that were already closing because of AB5 weren't able to operate because of the shutdown. So it gave a lot of it gave the legislatures a big excuse to hide behind that, you know, because had it not been for the pandemic it would have been a shit show beyond shit show that would have exposed everything that we already knew was happening behind the scenes on AB5. So um, I forget where I was going going with that. But um, one, one thing that everybody should know about Karen, I'm going to include them. You guys can find them in the show notes here. Um, she did a thing. Uh, I think it was, was it 610 careers or the fields that were that weren't carved out? Yeah, I have uh, almost nineteen thousand members in my group. Yeah, and I did this. We, I've been doing. I've been collecting all the personal stories through the years, and a lot of the. I was going to say, well, I'm going to include those too because those are pretty heartbreaking. They're very heartbreaking, and a lot of them happened before the before the the law even went into effect. We started getting getting tons of stories about people getting terminated and dumped from their assignments and their clients and their livelihoods back as far back as December, you know, of 2019. And then of course, when it went into effect in January, 2020, it was just the floodgates. And you, you were hearing from all sorts of, of professionals from all walks of life and all, all the vast swath of professions were talking about how they had just lost their livelihoods. And, um, and it continues to be that way, actually. Um, but we, I've calculated, we've calculated about 600 categories of professions in California have been impacted in some way negatively yeah. by AB5. Even those that have an exemption now, you know, I mean, it was a mess. It was a complete. And that's, and that's kind of my point. Like, like, like you, a writer. I mean, I know you just recently wrote an article on this just yesterday or something, right? I did. So, I, okay, so, I mean, like, you guys still never really, I mean, this was 2020, we're in 2023. What happens, like, if, let's say that in a year, AB5 gets repealed, some lucky way, they just say, okay, get rid of it. And they finally get through all that tape. Then what, though? Now it's been four years that those people haven't been working. Well, even when the bill went into effect in, in um, January of 2020, a lot of people who should have been exempted but weren't had to wait nine months for for Lorena Gonzalez to come up with a cleanup bill. And in the interim, they had already even if even if she granted them or bestowed them a coveted exemption, they had already lost their clients and livelihoods permanently. Right. And so, I mean, just within that short period of time, it did a lot, a lot, a lot of damage. And even professions that have exemptions, blanket exemptions. To bypass the ABC test of um, of AB five uh, because of the chilling effect, um, you know, employment law attorneys uh, advise their business clients just to stay away from independent contractors altogether in California because there's so many landmines in the law. You make a I, single I have, mistake. I have a question. What was it? Was there any ever sort of like a public like how could you like what was the public justification for the abc law doesn't apply to you right was there ever any you know this category you're exempt because like what what were the reasons for that well the abc test was was first adopted by the california supreme court in the dynamics decision and dynamic in, in 2018 and the Which dynamic was a was a courier courier service that 1099 their employees but it applied to wage orders only. And a wage order comes from a, it's, it's like the poster that you see in the lunchroom that has, you know, talks about meals and rest breaks and overtime and sick leave and that kind of thing. So the wage order, it was wage order number nine. But AB5 expanded that. It codified the ABC test of dynamics, but it expanded it beyond the wage orders. 
to include all the provisions of the labor code, including the unemployment insurance code. So they're bought for it entrapped every profession, that even those professions that, you know, where wage orders don't apply, like white collar, like doctors, lawyers, that kind of thing. So in order for these, these people, these occupations to get exemptions, they had to get exemptions from AB5, not from from the dynamics decision because wage orders don't apply to those professions. So um, AB5. Yeah, I guess more of us, like when they were given exemptions, is there any like these, you know, it applies to everybody except for these people and it doesn't apply to these people because, right? Like was there a reason? Well, in the, in the words of one of the Ninth Circuit judges in the, in the, in the, decision that was just released on Friday. There is no rhyme or reason for any of these exemptions. They pick winners and losers. So for example, why is a licensed psychologist given an exemption and a licensed uh, pharmacist not? Why is a grant writer given an exemption, but a grant researcher is not? Why is a pool cleaner given an exemption, but a, a house cleaner is not? Why is a lawyer given an exemption, but a paralegal is not? Why is a photographer given an exemption, but a video videographer is not? Why is a proofreader given an exemption, but a trans transcriptionist is not? And the list goes on and on and on. There's so many um, occupations that just fall through the cracks. And in fact, the freelance transcription industry in California is completely extinct. And yeah. most of these people are women and seniors and they've lost, they lost everything. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I've oh, talked to not not near as many as you, Karen, but I've talked to quite a few people who literally their stories are just Oh, you know what's horrifying. happening Excuse me. You know what's happening now in my group? There are a bunch of wedding photographers coming in saying they're getting audited by the EDD because they hired a second shooter for the wedding. And there's all these exemptions. Photographers are supposed to be exempt. So the, the so the second one had to be an employee of theirs. Is that what it's the claim is? They're saying the second one has to be an employee because they're because if you tell them where to what time to show up and where, you are controlling and directing them. So even though there's an exemption for single engagements and there's an exemption for refer and for referral agencies for wedding planners and there's an exemption for photographers in the professional services category of exemptions, if you don't meet all the requirements and caveats of those categories of exemptions that you you will have been deemed to misclassify some a, a fellow creative professional like a like a photographer so you, you say that people aren't really even aware of ab5 and i get this too when i talk to people and we're talking about prop 22 and i'm like well that stems from ab5 they're like what's ab5 they don't even know why prop 22 happened they just know it just gives me some more money Okay, well, that's not how it really worked. <laughs> um, when the next presidential campaign comes around, don't you think that that's going to be in their face of, hey, you guys killed off all independent contractors, and then they will become aware? Well, if Newsom runs for president, yes. I mean, we can... I, I, just, I just mean, like, don't you think that even if, even if they're not, like, if you walk up to people on the street, what's AB5? I don't know. Don't you think they're going to become aware that, oh... This thing killed off some family member of mine's career. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's 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 really shocking. It's a rude awakening, actually, how many people don't know about it. And in fact, one of the big mythologies that, that's hard for me to overcome as somebody who's trying to educate people about AB5 is that, oh, there's a total of 109 exemptions. So most, you know, there's this, this um, myth that most professions are exempt from AB5. And as I keep explaining, it's just not true. Like the musician's exemption, for example, when they got that in, you know, after the cleanup bill 2257 was passed as an urgency clause in, in September of 2020, you know, yeah. um, the headlines read, oh, musicians are all exempt. Well, no, they're not. And even those who got exemptions, like a band that plays at a brewery or something, the exemption requires that you can only play at the same venue once a week or you'd have to be made an employee of that venue so when you point that out to musicians who are all like oh we have an exemption and they hear that they go well wait a minute that's not fair that's the government trying you know having too much overreach on on my you know relationship with a with a, with a venue like a church for example if a church was hiring a hat has a um, choir or a piano player or something that plays every sunday 
uh, they're allowed to play at that venue once a week. But if when Christmas rolls around and they've got a Christmas program coming up and there's there's rehearsals and everything like that, then that church would be required to convert everybody into employees for the entirety of the year just because of that one caveat. Yeah, I, I remember the one caveat. You've told me tons, but I remember the one caveat that really kind of just made me think about how many there must be out there was you were pointing out uh, the hospitals and like if a rape victim went to a rural hospital, right? they have uh, nurses who are trained to deal with those people. Very, They've been through rigorous training. They know what they're doing. They know how to handle them much better than anybody else in that hospital. But right. now, because they're independent contractors that weren't carved out, the hospital would have to employ them full time Correct. to well, have one so they don't yeah. have them anymore. They'd have to have them on staff. It, AB5 doesn't require you to employ somebody full-time. Right, right. But you... but these, yeah, I got a story. You're right. I got a story from a forensic nurse who told me how detrimental AB5 is to rape victims in California because forensic nurses are traditionally independent contractors and in rural communities that, and hospitals can't afford to keep a forensic nurse on staff all the time. You know, they're called in when needed and they do these evidentiary um, forensic exams with sensitivity that they've been trained to do. So without them there, a rape victim is subject to long wait times or they can be subject to uh, uh, hospital personnel that don't know what they're doing. And so these are the kinds of stories that were coming into my group. Like uh, the speech language pathologists were telling me back in uh, when the law was passed that they had to abandon their stroke patients who they were teaching how to learn how to swallow after a stroke, they had to leave them. It was heartbreaking. It made you tear up. The uh, uh, sign language interpreters are traditionally independent contractors. So when AB5 happened, uh, there was a lack of access to ADA-mandated sign language interpreters. And because of the pandemic, again, there wasn't a lot of public uh, everybody, everything was shut down. So there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, it didn't, the pandemic obscured what would have been so blatantly wrong about this law. And it gave the lawmakers something to hide behind. So the ripple effect, it affects seniors, seniors especially, are really screwed by AB5, people that are supplementing their social security by doing a little, a little you know, gig here or there, like, you know, uh, writing a couple articles for a, for a, for somebody once in a while and getting 1099 or whatever. Um, it's just, uh, it, it also disproportionately affects women and uh, minorities. Uh, Steve, I told you about the strippers in my yeah. group. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, they are very much affected by AB5. Uh, they, by being forced to be made employees, these strip clubs just dumped all of these, th these people, you know, and only work with the, with the very, the very um, acceptable strippers. And so a lot of the marge marginalized strippers, you know, transgendered and, and disabled and people of color ended up losing their, losing their clients and had to resort to survival sex work on the street because of AB5. And, I have, there's a whole group of strippers that I bring, that I brought into the uh, U.S. Commission on Civil Rights uh, series of panel discussions that they had this summer about, about their last summer about AB5. And they were, those strippers, man, they were on fire. And in fact, they were th the first group in San Diego to protest in front of Lorena Gonzalez's face. I don't know how it was that they knew about AB5 before it happened in the ABC test, but strippers and truckers were on it immediately back in 2019. Yeah. So here's here here's my thing to bring around the Prop 22 part. So I view the traditional gig economy as its own thing. And I think that we took in the gig economy and we just said, well, they're they're gig economy people. But I don't think you could use the metric of gauging a gig worker against I'm not saying they should have an ABC test. That that just should be gone. But I do think it needs to be called a hybrid something. 
for the gig economy because it there are going to be like it took me a while to even accept okay maybe prop 22 isn't as bad as i thought because now i'm seeing what's happening in other states well i don't see how you can say prop 22 is bad because it allows people to be independent contractors but as far as the gig economy the exemption comes from the referral agency categories of exemptions in ab5 so you've got task rabbit and wag that allows for dog walkers to be exempt, pool cleaners to be exempt, picture hangers, people from, you know, from these platforms, picture hangers, um, movers, furniture assembly people, animal services people. They're all lumped into this referral agency category, which is what Uber was wanting to be because they consider themselves a referral agency. And so, um, where where they put wag they allowed wag and and task rabbit with these occupations to gain exemptions through that referral agency exemption they blatantly excluded uh, rideshare and delivery saying that couriers are high hazard but yard cleanup and pool cleaners and dog serve uh, animal services are not high hazard i mean moving what could be more high hazard than moving furniture you could be crippled for life, but yet they have an exemption. So this 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 presumption that you know AB5 is protecting workers is belied by the fact that a lot of these, you know, occupations that where you can get hurt on the job uh are exempt from the law. How does it so make sense? Do you believe do you believe that uh, because I used to say that California, like you said, was the state that other states were coming out to to see how's this really working, how's this look? Let's go see it. And I felt like they were like, you know, everybody was just given misinformation and all this. And now these other states are like Massachusetts wants unions. Illinois wants rideshare out. I don't know why. I mean, they know that what they're going to do is going to push Uber and Lyft to the same thing they did in California. And it's not, excuse me, an idle threat. They will leave. Uh, they will leave. Didn't Uber get some kind of multi-million dollar contract with the federal government to, to shuttle people around in Washington, D.C.? I mean, wasn't it you, Steve, that told me that a lot of the Uber um, uh, and ride like to vote it, Yeah, to voting, to all these things. They were partnering up and giving them free rides. Yeah. Yeah, but in, in cities, you were telling me that infrastructure now, the transportation infrastructure is built around you know, uh, Uber and oh, like yeah. they, they use, and everything else like they that. work with like bus systems and, tra and, and mass transit and they're sharing data. They're helping. They, I mean, for a while here, you could buy RTD bus tickets or train tickets here in Denver on the Uber app. Right. So look, the, the real, you know, motive for wanting, uh, these uh, rideshare and delivery drivers to become employees is so that they can be unionized and that um, they, the, the union see that that sector is low hanging fruit that they can corral all these people into and make them union members to shore up their failing pension plans, which is like a Ponzi scheme. So, they need as many new yeah. uh, members as possible. So that's really- and We've the, talked about that. The union, unions have been on the downhill forever. Yeah. I mean, since the 80s, you know, it's so I mean, like they're, they're like you said, they're just going for whatever they can. But I mean, I, are other states now going to follow it? I mean, I know other states are, but do you see even more states? Because I just noticed yesterday that North Dakota came out with a thing that said before before anything even happened, they said North Dakota said uh, gig workers are independent contractors, period. Before there was even a fight, it came out yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I haven't read that. Yeah, everybody in every state who is ever watching this, you have to be very vigilant and pay attention to what's going on in your own state legislature because they come up with these task forces and they want to, you know, they want to impose, they, they want to control the independent workforce, you know, for purposes of generating payroll tax revenue and all sorts of reasons, you know, and Democrats are, are funded by, you know, unions. So it's, it's important. You know, there's there's a lot of different reasons. And you also have to look at what's going on nationally. And we talked about that uh, last time with, with Kim Cavan about what the U.S. DOL is doing with their rulemaking about independent contracting. And also the Senate you know, trying to reintroduce the PRO Act, which has 
the California's ABC test in its in one of its provisions. So there's the fight continues, and well, of course, the labor commissioner from California, who then became the Julie head, of, yeah, she's she's been she's been the chief enforcer in California for years and years and years. I saw and that now, Uber is is challenging that decision. Uber's like challenging Biden. There's <laughs> a lot like, of people that are. There's I know, but I saw that. I don't know if it was a lawsuit or what it was, but they're saying, no, we're, we're not going to accept that candidate. Well, she has a lot of baggage and a lot of problems. And, and I'm hearing through the grapevine that there is a possibility that she might not be confirmed because of her, I mean, $40 billion she oversaw right. she was, yeah. on insurance claims. And yeah. she's over independent contractors too. Yeah, and oddly, that's how David and I met was during all that disruption at the very beginning of the pandemic and who's getting the money and so david if you're not familiar with that part julie sue was she was the one who let all of the 40 billion go out to the people who who were either fake accounts or didn't need it or all that and then she didn't get the funds to the people who did need it yeah i remember just being shocked at like the percentage of the money that was just straight fraud it was shocking yeah right i forgot what it was but like you know it's mid the, double digit percentages, right? The newest figure that was just released was forty billion. Think about it, forty billion with a B. But how much and in total went out? It was like two hundred went out, or one hundred and sixty, or something like that, right? Forty billion dollars went out. That's the new. That's from the the DOL. But I, I think he's talking about like even the legit stuff. Yeah. Well, that, a lot of a lot of people had their benefits their their benefits delayed in the middle of a pandemic. And some people have yet to receive their benefits who, who should have them. You know, it was a complete mess. And the state auditor warned Julie Sue a year ahead of time, you know, about that, her need to clean up the, the, the antiquated computers and, and uh, the, the security, the lack of security on social security numbers. She needed to clean it up. The state auditor in 2021 concluded that most of that those um, fraudulent um, fiascos that happened were preventable, you know? Yeah. And, so, and she was, she oversaw all of that. She's responsible for that. So before we close this out, I do want to, I do want to say that, so the prop 22 staying in place. And again, there's still legal challenges going on, which to me is just always wasted money. This has been wasted money since the beginning uh, because both sides are just wasting tons of money. And it's it. They don't ever come out and say this, but I'm going to say it. I, I I truly believe it comes out of the drivers. Um, you know, I don't think that Uber's just taken on this bill on their own. They can't even make money to begin with. So, um, you know, they and, and we watch drivers pay sink 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 across the country. So, um, well, I, I mean, it's um. <sighs> It takes, you know, Lorena Gonzalez is constantly moaning about the fact that at base, the Yes on Prop 22 campaign spent about $200 million. Oh, that's so much money to fight a law that's really hard to fight. You have to have that kind of backing to fight City Hall, right? Right. So good on them for getting an exemption any way they could get it. But $200 million is not is a pittance. Right. Yeah. compared to 40 billion and they don't right they and, that, and that's where i point out california of all states would have loved to have for any reason vo voted for whatever it is against uber and lyft they would love to but they knew even they do we can't we gotta vote we've got to vote with them i mean i had a well, friend call me who lives in california who's a computer he's a he's a computer guy he's a freelancer um and he he was like look you said I was supposed to vote yes on this. I said, yeah. And he said, but that's voting with Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash. And I'm no. like, okay, well, if you want to keep working. <laughs> no, uh, I'm a freelancer. I think that's the part that's crazy, right? It's like it's voting for what the drivers want, right? And that's what I think people heard at the end of the day was that's my belief is why did an overwhelming amount of Californians vote for this when it doesn't seem like it might be something they vote for? I think it's if you do listen to the people who it actually affects, that's what they wanted. David, right? that's, exactly, that's exactly really what it comes down to. 
that's what happened. Yeah, you know? that's what happened, right? As it, and it's almost a good thing. I was like, you know, you listen to the people who this is going to affect, and an overwhelming percent of them agree that they want right. this. So why not do that? Right, and and I I said back to my group during the lead up to Prop Twenty because a lot of independent contractors were so offended by the fact that you know they that Uber got on a ballot and could, could get get their own carve out that they were going to vote no on Prop Twenty Two, and I go, why would you do that? You're, if you vote no on Prop 22, you're endorsing AB5 as a law that should be enforced. And no matter what you think of rideshare or the business model or everything, AB5 and the ABC test is not the answer for any of it. So you're so if you vote no and it doesn't pass, it's going to be thrown in our faces from here to eternity that the voters of California want AB5 in its entirety. So it's a very, very important for people to um, support the drivers, the majority of drivers who want to remain independent contractors. And that's what my group is about, freelancers against AB5. And are is there exploitation in industries against independent contractors? Uh, sure, there's always been that, you know, but the ABC test is so destructive and so restrictive that it's, it's there's just so many dolphins in the tuna net and it's by design. Yeah. And I think I really, that's where my opinion always stands, sort of drivers want to be independent contractors. There are things that can be better. And the way that things can be better is if the platforms fully embrace drivers as independent contractors and fulfill their obligations to what that means to drivers. And I really think well, look, that's how we get to a better place. Yeah. And, and Prop 22 also, remember, they, they prevailed it prevailed on two of the three issues. The third one, there's they they it was about amending it and allowing for collective bargaining and stuff like that. So there's still that opportunity, you know, for I, I don't know how it works if you're an independent contractor because you know, but it, it's for the industry itself to work out its own kinks and 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 just like trucking, you know, but to create a blanket law that just you know says yay or nay to everybody and throws everybody out, you know, into the cold and to, and actually destroys uh, an entire industry's business model. I, 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 that's not the answer either. So Prop 22, there's a lot of resentment around it. A lot of people don't, they'll always be griping and complaining about, you know, rideshare and how much money they're making or not making, right. you know. But, well, that's uh, that's what's happening. Even in California, the Prop 22 people are now saying, I'm still not making enough. And that's yeah. that to me becomes, well, then pursue some. I don't mean to be mean, but pursue something else. Then. Because I know a lot of people who do make it not in California without Prop 22. So if you're getting Prop 22, it might just be that the cost of living in California is so ridiculous. Well, you the might cost not of be gas. able to make it there without living with 10 other gig workers. Well, that's right, because we have the highest gas tax in the nation, and it's going to go up again, I think. Yeah. It's going to, it was due to go up again in July. Newsom keeps raising the price of, of, of gas. I mean, it's impossible. You know, uh, I don't know how, right, in, unless you're in a small jurisdiction. I mean, I would think you have to strategize in order to make the, make the platform work for you. I don't yeah. know that much about it. We don't have a lot of rideshare in our group. They were right. never, we were never, uh, they they never advocated on behalf of all freelancers. You know, they could have, they had an opportunity to get if instead of prop 22, if they had had, had written it so that it would repealed it for everybody, that would have been great. But if it didn't, didn't work, then everybody would go down with the ship. So. Sure. I'm glad well, we're here though. I have to, I have to run, but Karen, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. This was super informative. I feel like, you know, so much about this and I, you know, I feel like I somewhat know what's going on, but I learned a bunch more today so, I really and so before it. david leaves and while i sign us out here i will say this if you do want to learn more um you could go to freelancers against ab5 you can find them on facebook i'll put the link to karen's group because it's open right yes it's public i mean I'm, I'm part of it but it's open yeah so it's public so you can you can go in there and join and i'll also put the link to the careers and the stories the stories are what you guys should really read because it's it's an eye-opener and I think I guarantee those of you in California have not that haven't read these stories have no idea how bad these stories are. So um, she did a really good job putting all this stuff together for us. So we'll we'll put that into the show notes. You guys check that out. 
understand AB5 and why Prop 22 happened. Be happy that it stuck around. Be happy that this, because this was a win for independent. If you want to be an independent contractor, this was a win. Is that a it good way a to put it? Win. Yeah, it was a big, big win for Uber and Lyft. And it was a big win for us who have been fighting AB5 because it was so validating. Everything yeah. we've been shouting off off the rooftops about how arbitrary and unfair and how it violates the Equal Protection Clause. I've been saying that from day one, and then we finally had it affirmed by a court. That is a huge, huge ruling for us. It, it, I mean, whether it plays out in terms of setting a precedent or being able to help us in the long run, but even trucking is talking about, well, maybe we should take that tack about, about Lorena Gonzalez and all her foul language in our yeah. next appeal. They were even writing about that in Freight Waves today. Yeah, actually, I, I read that. That's the one I was reading was Freight Waves. Um, so, Karen, thank you. For those of you that don't know Karen, she has been a, a fighter in this from day one. So go check out her group. Uh, if you're in California, even if you're a gig worker, whatever you're doing, be part of this. Get your voice heard and understand it, too. Let other people know what's going on, too, because like Karen said, a lot of people don't even know. So... Um, with that said, uh, thank you, Karen. Thank you, David. And we will be back here next week to uh, to entertain you again with a different topic. Thanks. But until Thanks then, Karen. nice to meet you, David. I want to learn more you. about your your company. I think we should, we'll study. connect offline. I have yeah, we'll connect offline. I get Steve. To okay, good, good. Thank have you good, so much. Nice have to a meet good day, everybody. You.